0: Sorry I missed your call, I was busy, now I don't get to say, hey, how was your day?
1: Welcome to episode 7 of The Radicals. A podcast version of the novel The Radicals, written by me, Marilyn Krasner. The Radicals is narrated by Amanda Friedlander. Intro and outro music by Siobhan Hurd. Links in the show notes. There's no way I can follow through today's plan if I have to take care of Frida. I'm not going to risk a repeat of the trauma drama of the grocery store. I tell Cecilia's mom the same excuse I've used before, about how I need to help some one group who is having a crisis. She says it's no problem. Do what you gotta do, she tells me. She might not believe me, but she thinks Frida is safest with her anyway, so she's probably relieved. I definitely am. My body is tingling like I'm on a roller coaster sitting at the highest point. I'm anticipating the rush of the drop. I'm not thinking about what will happen after I get to the bottom. I'm bouncing in my seat. This is life, right here. This is my life that I'm meant to live. I'm on the move. The directions to the hostel on a piece of internet cafe printer paper on the passenger seat of my car. It's so early, 9am. I should be exhausted because I didn't really sleep much after I got home from work, but I am exhilarated and excited and apprehensive. My driver's side window is open, and I'm feeling super poetic and hypersensitive as I watch the contrasting beauty of my Southern California fly by. Purple mountains in the distance and the industrial sprawl next to the freeway remind me that the world is imperfect, and I sure as fuck am, and it is what it is. I have to just do today. I have to fix the thing with Sally, reconnect the wiring so the engine of this disruption keeps going, I can get her back on my side no matter what has happened. What the fuck has happened? She must have found a source and she's using again. I just need to get her to look me in the eyes and reinforce the goal. Cut his communication channels off by disseminating the blackmail material she has collected against Carl. Shut down all website, blog, and social media he uses. Hack him. Change passwords. DDOS. I stop at a random grocery store on the way and buy another burner. She won't answer my calls anymore from the numbers I've used. I stand at the counter as the woman pushes the plastic piece of shit through the scanner. What the fuck am I doing handing over this cash? I haven't changed at all. What the fuck rehabilitation did anyone think was going to happen to me? I'm the same as I've always been. I'm the same as Carl or Sally. The sun is burning the top of my head as I walk through the parking lot. I want it to burn me because I deserve to be punished. I've done hateful things, which makes me more like him than anyone else. I hurt other people. I stole from mom even though she gave me that money every week. I've isolated myself from my brother even though he is the only person who understands me. I've lived outside of society and have not contributed at all. If anything, I've actively tried to take society down while saying I'm fighting the patriarchy, whatever that is. I was really fighting against my family and everyone who I thought was just complacent in the system. I had no power to make an impact on the patriarchy in the world. I only had the power to make an impact on my family and friends, and most of the time that was a negative impact. They were just trying to get by, every day living their lives that I had made harder by fighting my fight. By the time I get close to the hostel, I've thought about turning around and calling it quits a million times, but I'm here. I assemble the burner. What the fuck else am I gonna do today? I get out of the car and stand on the sidewalk in front of the hostel. I call Sally's number and she answers right away. I'm here. I'm at the hostel. I tense, waiting for her to rage at me, but she doesn't. Her tone totally softens, and she tells me she's not there, and gives me directions to a gas station. I run back to my car. I haven't run in about two years, and my body bounces out of time with each footfall. Security brings a lot of things in life, and regular eating, along with overeating and emotional eating, brings weight gain. I don't mind it, but also, I do. I am self-conscious. I'm going to see Sally, and I am not the thin, stalwart captain of our crew that I used to be. What the fuck am I doing? I break myself out of the self-destructive thought process I am spiraling down into. I am in the middle of an intense situation. Body issues are not allowed. I get to the gas station, and there she is, squatting down by the air in vacuum. Plumes of smoke rise above her like a factory tower. Sally is like a factory of destruction. Underneath my excitement to see Sally is apprehension. It's working its way desperately through the crowd of rowdy endorphins, shouting, Stop! Don't make contact! Go home! The endorphins are shouting louder. The damage is done. She's already in trouble. She should see what is going on. I pull up next to Sally. She is holding one of those vaping machines to her mouth. It looks like a mini clarinet or oboe. The vapor leaves her nose in solid white clouds that block out her face. It's an eerie image, and so right for this moment. She doesn't move, stays squatting next to the air compressor with its long hose wrapped loosely around a large metal arm, waiting patiently for the next flat tire. I thought I told you to fuck off. Sally says, as her head comes into view through my passenger window. Get in. She stands up slowly, collecting her bag and loose colorful scarves. I never understood why she carried so many accessories. This fucking car, she says, as vapor fills my car with the sweet smell of candy. Or is it cake? Apples? You like that smell? Caramel apple. Carl bought this for me. He's trying to get me to stop smoking the Rollies. Sally stares at me in that way she does when she's trying to intimidate and dominate. Have you stopped? I return her stare and pretend so hard that my body is not trembling. I tense my thighs. Yes, unless I forget to get the refill bullshit for this piece of crap. We live close to here, so I get my tobacco and papers at this gas station. Oh well, yeah. That's so interesting that this is your preferred retail outlet for tobacco. Are you living with Carl? And his wife. Sally takes what I bet she thinks is a fucking victory inhale on the metal tool. It makes an excruciating clicking sound as the liquid bubbles under the siphoning of her inhale. Another cloud of vapor fills the air. It's like being in the epicenter of an air freshener factory. How does that work? They're helping me out. Sally looks out the front of the car. I'm not well, but would you care about that? I breathe in deep. I can't tell which con Sally is running right now. Is she going to get me on side and tell me she's been playing Carl this whole time? Collecting damaging information? Or is she going to flip me and fuck me over? One thing I know, it's time to leave the gas station. I start the car and pull out onto the road. I turn down the first street I come to. That's the house. Sally points out a small bungalow with an American flag, a Harley-Davidson flag, and an unkempt look that is in keeping with the neighborhood aesthetic. I speed up. After five minutes, I've had enough of driving aimlessly through unfamiliar streets. I pull over, and I have a strong craving for dessert. You look sick. I told you I'm not well. She takes another pull on the wind instrument and nods as it gurgles. I turn back to the steering wheel. Where's the beach? Sally directs me there, and we get out of the car. We reach the end of the concrete path, and I stop to look at the ocean. It's beautiful here. I step onto the hot surface of the sand and feel the heat on the top of my feet and cool hidden sand on the bottom of my feet. This is a great feeling. I tried to put my attention toward this feeling. Cecilia would like this place. What's wrong with you? Cancer. Sally kicks some sand high as we walk toward the ocean. There are a few people on the beach sunbathing, throwing a dog a ball and surfing, all those things that should be happening at the beach to other people. I am other people now, but here I am in this old way I used to be, dealing with Sally's drama. Keeping myself from the type of life that would allow me the brain space to throw a dog a ball, sunbathe on a weekday afternoon, or surf. Like my mom and sister. Are you serious? They both died last year. Boom. Boom. I didn't know I'm sorry. The sting of tears doesn't come. The rush of them on my cheek cooled instantly by the breeze of the ocean. Salt on salt. Fucking sucks. But you wouldn't know that because you died too, didn't you?" I guess I did. I choose to agree with everything Sally says. It's the path of least resistance in this situation. I'm smart too, but she works quickly and if I gain trust with her, things will be smooth. Things are already far beyond smooth because she's been living with Carl and his wife, but in this moment, in this interaction, I can escape unscathed if I am careful, calm, and casual. Yeah, you did. You got arrested, so what? Everyone gets arrested. Why did you leave? I don't get it. Why did you go away? Sally is crying now, sucking on that thing and sobbing loudly. I'm not sure I can trust that her crying is authentic. There are tears coming from her eyes and flowing onto her cheeks and dripping off her face. It looks real, unless she's been studying method acting since I last saw her. I didn't mean to go away. It's my probation, I'm not allowed to be in touch with you or anyone from those days. I have to give them my laptop and phone every month so they can check what I've been looking at and who I contact. But that's so easy, you get in touch with a different phone. That's what I did, I bought a burner. To ask me to do this mission on Carl. You didn't care about getting in touch with me before that. Things have changed for me, Sally. No, they haven't. We are here together. You called me. I did, and I'm sorry. I shouldn't have. Shoulda, coulda, woulda. You haven't changed. Always guilty after the fact, but you don't think before you act. You don't think, like a fucking year ago, how was Sally doing? Maybe I should get in touch with my friend. I went to your mom's house, but nobody was home, so I left a note. Did you get that? I shake my head. I knew she wouldn't give it to you. Your mom hates me. She was probably just trying to protect me. She knew I would get in touch with you. And what would be wrong with you getting in touch? I'm not evil. I needed you. My mom and my sister, Dee, that's a fucking lot of people gone out of my life. It is. I'm sorry. She lets me put my arm around her shoulder, then leans close to me and cries harder. The sun is warm on our bodies, but I'm cold. I'm also scared for Sally. She is so thin, I can feel the bones on her back as I rub it. She moves away from me. I have cancer. Do you even care? My mom and sister died. I am staying at a house with a man who is so narcissistic and manipulative that I want to stab him, and a woman that is on serious pills. I don't know what, but she glides around like she's on wheels, always with this half-smile plastered on. Why are you living there? Well, it started as the plan you wanted. I have things he wouldn't want people to see. I could tell you the details, but I'm not in the mood. Mostly because it happened. We kind of clicked, and he said I could stay with them for a while if I needed to. So that time I called... Were you with him? Yeah. So does he know about me? I haven't told him about us, no. That's good. But he knows because he looked me up online. Right. And what? Does he know I'm the reason you came down here? No. But he knows about... Pussy power. He knows about my convictions. He knows how I work, I guess. So that's why I didn't want to go ahead, you know, with the sabotage. I understand. It's different now. But now that I see you, you know, I'm on your side, D. I'm not on his side. He is literally disgusting and insane. I think he has multiple personalities or sociopathic tendencies, you know? One day he'll love me and the next he doesn't acknowledge me. He's the same with his wife. I don't know what her deal is. She doesn't talk to me. Do you want to leave? I'll put you on a bus to anywhere. No, I want to finish up here. But I don't want you to do anything with Carl anymore. Leave it as it is. I want to. Since his website mysteriously came down and someone, who knows who, hacked his social media accounts, he has become super paranoid. Seriously, let me get you out of here, please. Please. I like it here, though. You know I always wanted to live by the sea. But for real, I need to get out of your dad's place. He's not my dad. No, you're right. This man is not fit to be anyone's father. Has he ever mentioned me or Luke or anything? Yeah, I asked him once. He said you both turned against him when you were young. Like, no matter how hard he tried, his kids were trained against him. You didn't tell him anything about this, right? Sally gives me an exasperated look. Sorry. Listen, I don't think this is a good idea anymore. Forget I ever asked you to do anything. I do. I have never spent this much time with someone who is clearly deluded and not even in a clinical way, you know? It's mostly old white man illness. You know, good old-fashioned entitlement. What are you going to do to change that, though? And why are you staying with them is my main question. Why are you putting yourself in this situation? It's fucked up. I'm sick, and they've taken me in. She curls up against my body and hugs me. I miss you, Dee. I stiffen. Sally has a tendency to equate the intimacy of our many years of friendship to sexual feelings towards me. And over the years, I've gone along with the moment. But each time, I regretted it once it started. What, baby, you haven't missed me? I hold on to one of her arms and move it off my thigh. I have missed you, Sally, but I don't want to. I'm so ugly now, is that it? You think I'm disgusting. You're not, come on. I feel like I smell all the time. Do I smell? I lean in closer to her and breathe in through my nose while moving my head around her arms and head. You smell like that stuff. I point at her vaping machine. Where the fuck have you been hiding? I called your mom's house and she said Dee doesn't want anything to do with you. She's being a mom. Well, at least you have a mom. My mom and sister died. My brother is playing family a million miles away in the fucking frozen Midwest. Your brother has kids? Yes, girl, and another one coming down the shooter. But you wouldn't know that because you've been MIA. I'm sorry. If I knew about all of that... I don't know. I'm not allowed to talk to you. I will be done with probation soon. I'll be dead soon. I will. I'll be dead. I think I might even stay at your dad's until I die. I miss my brother. I'm never going to meet his babies. Oh, man, Sally. Have you been to the doctor? Why the fuck would I need a doctor? They will tell me what I already know. I have a massive lump. Feel it. Sally grabs my hand and pulls it toward her right breast. I forgot how strong she is. My hand is twisted around in hers and she pokes her breast using my fingers. Feel it right there. Ooh, yeah, baby. I pull my hand away with some effort. You're gross. I stand up and sand from my ass blows onto Sally. Ah, oh, fuck. Watch it. I have to go. Back to making cookies. What? What? Your job or whatever that lie was you told me? Yeah, I have to go to work. So what's it like now, your life? What I want to say is, it was a lot better before I saw you. I thought I was missing something being away from you and the pussies, but nope. My life is fucking perfect these days compared to the old days. Instead, I say, things are good. I'm going back to the house. Want to come with me? No you're no fun. You haven't been fun for a long time. I need to go to work. Fuck work. No, fuck you. Fuck you, Sally. I have a life now. I have responsibilities. I have things I care about, and I have to go back to those things. But you're the one who got me into this. You called me. I did. And I wish I hadn't because you fucked it up. It's going to get back to me. I didn't want you to get involved with him. You were meant to get the proof and get out. Proof of what? You know, the photos and recording you usually do, recordings, dick pics, all that. I have all of that. So why did you get involved? Why did you move into his house? I kept giving you money, hoping you were using it to bring him down. I give that to him for the room. Forget it. I have to go. Don't call my mom again. I'll stop by instead. I'll go pay her a nice visit. Maybe Aunt Penny as well. She liked me. Whatever. Yeah, whatever. Fuck you, loser. Quitter. I'm going to tell Carl everything about you. I'm going to tell him all of your worst secrets. He's going to love it. What if I didn't care if Carl knew all of my secrets? What if he related to me and it brought us closer somehow to understanding each other? A passive reconciliation where I didn't have to participate at all. Dee, please, I'm sorry. Sally is running towards my car now. I turn on the engine as she makes it to my side of the car. D, don't be mad at me. I'm not myself. Yes, you are. This is who you are. You got yourself in this fucked up thing with Carl and his wife, and I'm not going to be a part of it. I said I'd drive you away from here, but you don't want that. Come over to the house. That is not happening. He's your dad, D. I see the resemblance. Get away from the car. I rev the engine. Sally moves back and I drive away. I look at her in the rearview mirror. All I can see is a large puff of vapor. Oh my god. Oh my god. A woman's voice fills my head. I sit up in bed. Oh my god. It's Cecilia's mom. Cecilia is lying next to me in bed. Her eyes are open, but she isn't moving. Pounding shakes our little apartment. People, many people, are coming up the stairs. Bang, bang, bang. I can see the front door bulging from the forceful pounding of something hard and heavy. The door flies open. My key holder falls to the floor with a jangling of keys. Cecilia screams. She is holding Frida, who is crying so hard that her face is bright red. I am naked in front of four, five, six police officers wearing bolt vests and baseball caps with LAPD written in big white letters at the front. Get out! Cecilia screams. Cecilia, give me Frida. Cecilia's mom is at the door with her arms reaching in. Cecilia isn't moving. I try to take Frida from her, but she turns away from me. She walks through the chaos of the cops tearing the room apart and passes Frida to her mom, then turns back toward the room and starts screaming, Get out! Get out! Get out! One of the cops yells, We have a warrant. Cecilia keeps yelling, Get out of here! Another cop approaches her and yells in her face to stop screaming. She looks him in the eyes. Everything slows down. I feel like I might be having a stroke. I move toward them and stand in between the cop and Cecilia. He moves away from me, possibly afraid of touching my naked body. I push Cecilia over to the couch. She doesn't sit down. She screams again at them. Stop, stop, you need to show me the warrant. One of the cops holds a piece of paper in front of her face. I try to grab it out of his hands before she can see it, because I know why they are here, and I want to tell her myself that they are here because group leader did what she is legally obligated to do when one of us misses group like I did yesterday when I drove down south. She reported my no-show, and now the police are tearing this place apart, not looking for anything, but just intimidating me because they are allowed, because I'm on probation and I broke the rules. I watch as they empty drawers, pick up our things, Look under the furniture and the TV. They touch everything. Then, as quick as they came, they are gone. Cecilia runs behind the last cop as he walks out the door. Get out of here! She slams the door so hard that it doesn't catch and bounces open again. She shuts it slowly and stands with her face away from me. I saw your name on that warrant she says in her angry, calm voice. It happens, babe. It's a part of my probation. They just do it. You haven't done anything wrong. Have you done anything wrong? I missed group yesterday. What? Why? I missed group, and that's a big fuck-up. I fucked up. You missed group? But you left Frida with Mom. What did you do? It doesn't matter. It does matter. Do you see this place? Everything is everywhere. It's been demolished for no reason and you say it doesn't matter. Unbelievable. I have been struggling and I don't get a lot of support from you. I work and work. I feel like you are my boss at home, too. And that's why you fucked up and misgroup? No. What's going on? Tell me the truth. I went. It's so stupid. I went to find Carl or Sally. I went to see if I could find Sally. What are you talking about? What are you mixed up in? Nothing. It's nothing. I made a mistake. It's personal. You are a selfish person. You know that? Cecilia starts picking up some of her clothes off the floor. She gathers them up in her arms. I think maybe you should go away. No, definitely go away. Stay at your mom's or whatever. Cease, it's nothing. I'm not in trouble. You're in trouble with me. I don't like being lied to. I told you it's not something we do in this family. Maybe I was wrong. I thought you could be happy with this life. I am happy. Then why did you get involved with Sally? You told me so many times how destructive she is. Cecilia holds the clothes close to her chest and looks around our small place. She doesn't look me in the eyes. I want her to look at me and tell me it doesn't matter and I haven't killed us. What about Frida? Don't worry about it. Just like you didn't worry about her yesterday, I'll figure it out. I was going to say I don't need to leave. I don't need any space, but Cecilia is out the door and thumping down the stairs. It's 5.45am on a Thursday and this place has been turned upside down. I put my big girl pants on and I clean up the mess the police left, the mess I caused, the physical representation of my fucked up mind. I just killed my relationship. I knew this was going to happen. The moment I went to the internet cafe on the morning I saw Carl on TV. I knew all roads in the pursuit of whatever it was I was trying to do to him would lead me to some place like this. I did it anyway. Some people cheat, some people ghost. I guess my method of ending things is to make it as traumatic and messy as possible. The least I can do is clean up the house before I go. I have a sharp pain in my gut. It's fear. It's shame. I'm afraid like I've been many times before. Afraid of being alone and ashamed of what I've done. I've hurt Cecilia and her parents. She's in their house right now, yelling. I can hear her. I move closer to the window so that I can make out what she is saying. All I can hear is loud, muffled voices. I know what they're saying anyway. That's what you get when you bring a fuck-up into the family. She fucks everything up. I clean up for an hour. I get a good rhythm going and the place looks good. I take free to stuff out of my backpack and put in a couple of changes of clothes for myself. This is familiar, traveling light. Making a hasty exit from a place where I am no longer welcome. I'm not being run out of a squat in the early hours of the morning, I'm being run out of what has become my own home. A home that I have a love-hate relationship with, I get that. Maybe this whole Carl thing has been self-sabotage, voluntary fuck-up. My court-appointed phone rings. It's Cecilia. Are you leaving soon? Yes. I don't get it. Why did you do this? I had to. No, you didn't. You made a promise to me. You promised you would take care of Frida. You let us down. I know. People depend on you now, but you can't be half here and half somewhere else. It doesn't work like that. Don't call me. I'll call you. Mom! Mom! What? All this food I brought you hasn't been eaten. What? I grab a bunch of the plastic containers out of the freezer and go to Mom's bedroom. She is in bed, staring at the ceiling, the covers up to her neck. You didn't eat any of these meals I brought you. What's up with that? I forgot. Mom has been staying in her room a lot since I got here yesterday. You forgot? But I went to so much trouble. I dished out a serving for you, and then I had to freeze it separately and make sure it stayed frozen while I brought it over. It wasn't easy. What do you want me to say? It's fucked up. I worked so hard. I did well, and nobody cares. Cecilia hates me. You think I'm a fuck-up? Well, you eat them if you want to. I don't mind. Fine. I choose the meal I want and heat it up in the microwave. It takes forever. I want to make as much noise as possible opening and shutting drawers and the door to the microwave. The food is still cold in the middle, but I go to the couch and I eat it as a punishment for being a stupid fuck-up back at Cecilia's. Mom is standing next to the couch, kind of hovering over me. I want to tell you something I saw yesterday, online. It was a deer. I don't know where. Back east. There was a lake and it was frozen over. I think the deer was trying to get away from coyotes, but then it got itself stuck on the ice of the frozen lake. It was amazing. Most of the time, the deer had its legs splayed out to the sides on the ice. It must have been freezing. Every time it tried to get up, its legs would fall out from underneath, and it wouldn't move for a while. It was so sad. I was crying. I was so afraid that the lake would crack open and swallow the deer up, or that it would just lie down and die. If it wasn't going to get off the lake, I wanted it to just fall asleep and die. After a couple of hours, people came to rescue it. I was so hopeful that they would be able to do it, but what would the deer do? Would it try to get away from the rescuers, or would it be docile and let itself be rescued? There was a guy cop and a woman. Maybe she was a vet or animal rescue or something. They tied a rope around her waist. She was a real tough young woman, brave, I could tell. She went onto the ice, the cop held the rope. She took this white cloth with her, maybe it was a sheet. She threw it over the deer's body. This was a big deer, it wasn't a baby. She did her best to wrap her arms around the deer's body and coax it over to the bank of the lake. Then it got away from her grip and the sheet fell off. Luckily, she was able to grab the sheet. The suspense was powerful. She threw the sheet over the deer again and grabbed its body, then covered its head with the sheet and wrapped it with some rope or something. It was violent like preparing someone for a hanging but she was so gentle you could tell she cared so much then the cop came down to the lake's edge and they both managed to get the deer off the ice it was magical i was crying and laughing the deer just scampered off into the trees that was it the rescuers just walked away you watched that for two hours three and i was thinking that when you were yelling at me just before about that food I was wondering about our life, and thinking that you could be the deer, and I could be the woman rescuing. Or maybe I'm the ice. Maybe you think you're the young woman, but I think you're the coyotes. Who is the deer? Are you okay? No, I'm not. I'm mad at you. You messed it up with Cecilia. You can work it out, though, are you? What's the point? I don't think she wants to work things out with me. What a stupid question. The point is everything. That's the damn point. Mom's voice is shaking. Here comes the climax of today's episode of our soap opera. What did you do to her? Not much. You didn't steal from her. So you lied to her. You didn't call her names. You didn't yell at her, did you? My little art teacher mom with her smooth hair that she gets cut every two weeks into a perfectly symmetrical bob... She's looking at me like she expects me to magically change into someone else just to make her feel better. She's starting to cry. Her eyes are drowning. Wipe your eyes. Wipe those tears out. They're going to overflow. I reach out and try to wipe her eyes because I can't handle it when she cries. She hits my hand away. She is lucky if you ask me. But you don't ask me. You don't care how I feel. You don't care that you bullied me and hurt me. I'm expected to just be here waiting for you, puffing up the pillows so that when you need to crash here it's comfortable. I clean up after you, and why? Because I love you and I hope you will change. I hope you will get it fucking together. This isn't about you. I have been taking deep breaths during her rant so my voice is calm. I know myself enough to know that if I don't stay calm, stupid things will come out. Things I don't mean argumentative accusations, and irrelevant childhood information. It is about me because you are here in my house. I meant to forget all of the shit I've gone through because of you. All of the money I've given you and the nights when I couldn't sleep because I was worrying about you. Were you on drugs? Were you involved in crime? Were you sleeping under a bridge getting raped, killed? I can't take back any of that stuff. No, you can't. I will go if that's better for you. I used to excuse all of your behavior to some sort of mental health problem. Your father is a narcissist. Maybe you are too. You're so self-involved. Feminist bullshit. I gave you life out of my body and look how you treat me. I made you inside of me. But all of your life you've used me. You aren't mentally ill. You're selfish and lazy. Yes, leave. I am done watching you fuck your life up and I'm done picking up after you and helping you get up and do it all over again. Leave your key. I don't want to see you for a while. I see what you're doing. You want me to beg you. You want me to take care of you. I can't fucking take care of you, Mom. Don't you get that? I only have enough for myself. You are always sad. You're the deer. Are you done? You're the deer. I throw the food on the floor and go into my bedroom to pack my shit. In my car now, I yell and hit the steering wheel. What a dramatic fucking bitch I am. Kicked out of my mother's house, on the verge of losing my girlfriend, the kid, my house, not to mention breaking probation. For what? For him? Julianne opens her front door and pulls me in for a hug. It was embarrassing calling her, because I thought I should be strong enough to take care of myself, which means sleeping in my car and taking showers at work. After going over that option a couple of times in my mind... I decided that not only am I too old for that, I'm also not prepared to be that lonely again. Living in my car was isolating. During the day, I went to the library or the beach, but while everyone was at work, I was not. My only interactions were nods and hesitant hellos with librarians who were skeptical of the woman with two short shorts and a ripped shirt. I did have my disruptions to plan, but often I was planning those alone as well because the other pussies were at work or away. Sally hated being alone. She often stayed with a boyfriend or a fly-by-night dude. At Julianne's, I take my shoes off and dig my toes into the soft carpet. The house smells like comfort food. I'm gonna be safe here. I made a chocolate chip cake? Drop your stuff there by the door. We'll deal with it after we eat. I sit at her dining room table and watch her in the kitchen you want a coffee? always thanks. she hands me a plate with a piece of cake on it. the bittersweet chocolate paste is thick and cool on my tongue. Mm, that's good. i make it for my grandsons but they usually only get a piece or two because grandma likes it too. here have another piece. this is so weird. i feel like i'm forgetting something important. I'm usually looking after Frida right now and I'm kinda jealous of whoever gets to spend time with Frida. On the other hand, I have space in my life again and it's one of the greatest reliefs I have ever felt. Julianne is letting me stay in her garage indefinitely. It's the first space I've had to myself in years. After a few days, I feel solid. I start getting some confidence back. Then I get a text from Cecilia saying she wants to work out the details of our separation. It's like I've been hit by a falling tree. I hold my phone for a few minutes, staring at her name and number. I finally click the call button. It rings once, then goes to voicemail. I call again after a few minutes, no answer. I don't leave a message. She's breaking up with me, I say. I look at Julianne, who is wearing her apron that says, World's Best Nana, and has a big cartoon banana on it that is meant to look like an old lady with a light purple wig and spectacles. I'm so sorry. Come here. I knew it. She's chucking me out like a dress she doesn't wear anymore. She's so wasteful. She's a shopaholic. She buys shit all the time, throws things out, doesn't recycle. I hate that about her. Even when I didn't have a place to live, I recycled. Julianne sits next to me and puts her hand on mine. Did I ever tell you how she went to that donut shop when it first opened and waited in line for like three hours? She brought back two huge boxes of donuts and she was pissed off that I wasn't impressed. I hate her. She hands me a wrapped chocolate and I eat it while crying. This isn't my finest hour. I put Cecilia off for more than a week. Then I agreed to meet her outside work. I don't tell her, but I think it's meaningful that we end our relationship in the same place it began, sitting on rickety milk crates next to the burrito truck. She is already sitting at the table when I show up. She puts her arms out for a hug. I lean in, but shouldn't have bothered because the hug we have is so limp that I imagine everyone in the courtyard can read our body language like a subtitled movie. She holds my shoulders and stares at my face. I can see she has the same question I have. What was I thinking? I've spent the last week trying to summon the strength to get through this meeting. Now that I'm here, things are clear. I have no idea what my plan was with our relationship. She is so well put together. Her whole being, psychologically and physically, are intact. She knows who she is and where she is going. Good to see you. Is your mom happy to have you around? Nope. Mom didn't want me to stay with her. Kind of told me she's finished with me. Oh no, poor thing. I'll give her a call. Where are you staying? Julianne's. It's a bit, I don't know, dramatic with all of her family around, but I have my own room I can hide in. Good. Glad you landed on your feet. It's only been two weeks. Yeah, I know, but you're strong and you will get through this. Listen, that raid and those fucking asshole cops trashing my house rattled me to the point where Frida and I have been sleeping at mom and dad's every night. Anyway, if that's what you bring to this relationship. The thing is, you're not good at making decisions, so I've made one for both of us. I have big plans for my life, for Frida, and you don't have plans, do you? I mean, your anti-establishment thing is honorable and you've stuck to your beliefs. I believe in you, even if I don't agree with you. Okay, that was harsh. I tell it like it is. For you, that's how it is for you. I suppose, but I don't think I'm wrong, do you? Whatever is what I want to say. But I look at my hands. I've been squeezing them together tightly as she tore me down. I guess not, I say. She is right. She's always right. You weren't hoping we were going to stay together, were you? No, but I didn't think that you would be so... I don't know. I don't want there to be any misunderstanding. About what? About us being done. Anyway, look at this. Cecilia pulls out her phone and taps the screen. Look at Frida. I put her in daycare. Daycare? You always said you didn't want her with strangers. Yeah, I did say that, but circumstances have changed. Cecilia pauses and takes a deep breath, her eyes twitching. She's upset, but she wouldn't want me to notice. She has her business face on. I'm not worth anything to her anymore. The staff there are amazing, young, creative, and so patient. They speak Spanish there. I can't believe how adaptable she is. My parents are happier. I think taking care of her made them feel old. They send their love. Look at this. Cecilia shows me her phone screen. Can you see her? Look, there. She's wearing a tag that links up with this app, and they have cameras in every room, so I can watch her all day if I want to. I watch her play and sleep. That's all she does, right? Look, I have this menu. I can see when her diaper was changed. When she did a poo, what kind of poo it was, how often she eats. It's amazing. I want to say it's scary as fuck, but I don't. I tell her I'm glad Frida is in good hands. She is. I was hoping I could see her sometime. I don't want it to be weird or anything. Really? What? I don't know, that surprises me. What surprises you? I thought Frida was part of why we didn't work. Since she came along, no, since about halfway through my pregnancy, we haven't been as close. Would you agree? Maybe, yeah, I think that's about right. Why did it change? We were doing good. I don't know. I guess everything focused on Frida and maybe our focus on each other got lost. I don't feel angry or anything at you. I don't want to hurt you, but I feel kind of a relief. I'm sorry, I want to be honest with you. I hate rejection. I take a deep breath. I tense my legs in preparation to leave the table. Hey, you okay? She touches my hand gently. I look at Cecilia. She has her boxy corporate suit jacket on, the one she says she wears when she needs armor against dickhead suppliers or anyone else she feels intimidated by. She smiles. And even though I hate what is happening here, another failure in my life, this is the most grown-up conversation I've ever had. One of those important moments I need to refer to when I'm feeling like I've never achieved anything ever. I am involved in an amicable breakup. I laugh. What's funny? She asks. I can't believe this. Are we going to be friends? So cliche, right? I always kind of admired people who could do that. Your next girlfriend might not think it's so great. She winks and I want her to kiss me right now. Cecilia holds my hands on top of the table. There's something else. I think it would be best if you didn't work here anymore. I pull my hands away. If I don't have a job, I'm fucked. Julianne would support me for two weeks max. And mom isn't talking to me, so she won't help me at all. I'm so fucked. It's not fair. It's not fair that she is firing me. This was her plan all along. We're not going to be friends. She just wants to control my life. Press her corporate thumb on a little work orient like me. I could fight it. I could call the lawyer I had for my probation. Fuck, I have nothing. Let me finish. Don't freak out. I arranged an interview for you. The women's shelter. Cleaner. Cleaner? You interested? A shiver of relief runs through my body. I'm elated. I stand up and pull her into a hug. She presses my back. You have helped me and Frida and my parents so much. Of course you can see her. I want you in her life. You can be her riot girl, auntie. I look at her. You know I'm not riot girl. Sorry, right? How about her fucking hardcore, no bullshit, feminist-as-fuck auntie who teaches her that she can do anything in the world that she wants? Like her mom. Aw. 54? The food truck woman yells, and I am relieved. I didn't know how to break away from the hand-holding eye contact situation. That's us, I say, as I pop up and almost jump to collect the food from the food truck woman, who sticks out her bottom lip at me and gives me a sad face. I put my arm around Cecilia. We're good. I don't know why I need to display my chummy affection for Cecilia so publicly at this moment, but instantly I feel like an idiot holding the food in one hand and squishing Cecilia against me with my other arm. She bends down and releases herself from my grasp. I spend way more time than necessary staring at the two bags of food, pretending that I am trying to figure out which one belongs to her. I am avoiding looking at her again, because I know I'm going to cry soon. Very soon. Well, I guess I'll talk to you soon. Let me know when you want to hang out with Frida. Please go. Go. She leans in and kisses my cheek. You better get in there. It's almost time to clock in. She squeezes my arm. I watch her walk away. I'm alone again. For a few minutes, I had her full attention, even though she was telling me I was a no-hoper and firing me. I'm standing here, alone again. The cries in my throat and tingling my ears. I don't have a lot of time before my shift starts. I run into the building and clock in, put my food in the fridge, and rush to one of the private bathrooms to let it out. It's a pain cry, deep, I'm alone, the cliche says it all, born alone, I'm going to die alone, and in between those two monumental life events, I'm alone, the cry is over quickly and I feel refreshed, I've lost so many years of my life to senseless wandering, I don't have anything to show for it except a criminal record and a rough exterior that is easy to puncture, A yoga teacher would tell me to strengthen my core. A nutritionist would tell me to cut sugar out of my diet. A doctor would put me on antidepressants. A chef would make me a big loaf of bread. Mom would tell me all the things she hoped I would have achieved in my life. Sally would ignore me. My father would make it about him. What about me? What can I give myself? Credit for not reciting some victim mantra just now during that breakup scene. Did that actually happen? Julianne would give me a thumbs up and yell, You go, girl! No, she wouldn't yell that, but her thumbs would. I think Julianne is the only person I can count on right now. Eventually, there's going to be a catch with her as well. Maybe I'm the catch. Maybe I'm going to mess up this friendship with Julianne in the same way I've messed up all of my other relationships maybe I'm a sociopathic narcissist like my father if all my adult interactions went as well as that one just did I would be fine I was calm attentive and reflective I am not giving group leader credit for any of this this is all D I officially finished probation yesterday my P.O. gave me a box of chocolates he's a nice enough guy My old P.O. went off people duties around the time I got raided. I never got to confront her about how the raid was an overreaction and it was her fault Cecilia broke up with me. What was the fucking point? I had to tell this man. All he said was that I was doing a great job. He didn't even engage with me about the raid even after I told him my ex now has PTSD and had to move back in with her parents. My last ever P.O. appointment was short. He was kind. I appreciated that. I get you. I see that your fight is important to you. I want you to know that your type, feminists and whatnot, are good for the world. I see you, respect you, and as long as you stay on the right side of the law, you can do anything you want as far as I'm concerned. Then he handed me a specimen cup and nodded toward the hallway and the bathrooms. At my last group therapy session, group leader stood next to my chair, grabbed my hand, and lifted it as high as it would go. I let her do all of this. I could have stopped her. Then she continued this presentation by saying, D has no shortage of problems, but she moves through the world with resilience and strength. You are a beacon. Let's hold hands and breathe together. She kept hold of my hand and waited for everyone else to hold hands. We never did this, but people did it. I was embarrassed and maybe a little touched. Were they holding hands because they believed in me or because they needed human contact? Whatever it was, time was up for the session. I let a few people come up to me and mumble their well wishes. I don't have anything against these people personally, but I didn't want to make friends with them just because I wasn't going to see them anymore. I couldn't get out of that gymnasium fast enough. Julianne was running behind me laughing. I felt like I did when I graduated high school. An extreme sense of freedom with a life of excitement in front of me. My boss is waiting for me when I walk into the shelter. She hands me an envelope and says congratulations. A wave of heat rises up from my stomach when I open the envelope and see that it's a card. We all signed it, she says. I put my head down. I want to look her in the eyes because I respect my boss a lot and I want to show her that by being honest with her. I could totally be vulnerable with her and know that I would be safe. She creates a space at the shelter that is kind and unlike anything I have ever experienced. I force myself to raise my eyes to hers even though they are filled with tears and say, thank you. She puts her hand on my shoulder and gives me a little squeeze. Welcome back to the real world. I put my stuff in my locker in the laundry slash cleaning supplies room. I sit on a rickety stool and read the messages on the card and feel like I've done something cool when all I really did was conform. Oh, shut the fuck up. I did achieve something. I finished 30 months of good behavior from the state's perspective. If you ask my mom or Cecilia, they would not call recent events like getting in touch with Sally or the raid good behavior. But neither of them have called today to congratulate me, so this card is all I have right now and I appreciate it. The messages say stuff like, well done, power to the people, congratulations. Nothing very deep, but it doesn't matter because I've never been given anything like this before. Pussy power never exchanged gifts at the end of a good disruption. We all just dispersed and waited for word from someone about the fallout if there was any. Usually, it was just silence, which made me question all that effort I had put into planning and stressing about a disruption. That's what I think about a lot at the shelter while I'm mopping or cleaning the kitchen counter for the hundredth time that week. What was I doing for anyone else all those years? I think about the women at the colleges we visited, and I hope they still carry the lessons of disruption that we offered. But then I think, did I actually give them real stories, or was I showing off? The shelter is everything I never realized was possible while I was out there bashing windows and spray-painting on sidewalks. Women were helping women in real, practical ways while I was waving my silicone dick around. I knew these places existed, I just didn't know how good it was inside. I was so single-minded that if someone tried to get me to help out in one of these shelters or women's centers back then, I probably would have been like, you do your work and we'll do ours. Separate but equal feminist agendas. But now that I'm here on my knees cleaning toilets, I'm thinking that this is the most feminist work I've ever done. The families that stay here have big struggles, and I want the toilets and kitchen and play areas to be so clean and nice because I want them to feel safe while they are here. I don't want them to spend any energy on keeping this place clean. They need to rest and recover, and I want to help them do that. I wake up to my phone beeping six missed calls I don't recognize any of the numbers I check the voicemail hey it's Luke have you talked to mom I got this weird message from her and I was hoping you could check on her bye love you bye hi Mandy aunt penny here I'm at your mom's can you come over when you get a chance today would be good your mom's not doing so well honey her voice breaks See you when you get here. Fuck, call me. It's Luke again. Where are you? The rest of the messages are hang-ups from Aunt Penny. The phone rings. Luke? Hey, I talked to Aunt Penny. I'm online trying to buy a ticket and my credit card won't go through. Kate, can you give me your wallet? How's Mom? I don't know. You're not with her? i just woke up i'm getting all the messages now what's happening i don't know i talked to aunt penny and all she said was mom's not doing well which tells me nothing and i should come home if i can so i'm asking you what the fuck is going on is she sick i don't think so i don't know i don't know because i haven't talked to her i should have been the grown-up and stopped by called i stayed away like she told me to What do you mean you don't know? I thought you were with her. No, I just woke up. I'm just hearing about this for the first time now. Finally, I got the flights. No, I don't need the credit card anymore. No, Kate, don't be like that. $3,000. What do you want me to do? It's my mom. I'm gonna have to call you back. I don't move. I should get dressed, but I feel like it would be safer if I stayed in bed right now. Luke calls back right away. I can't believe I'm leaving Kate and the baby. She is pissed. She understands that I have to go, but it's hard. You know, new babies. They're not sympathetic to our needs, are they? You need to get over to Mom's. When can you get there? Now. Now. I can go right now. Go now. When will you be there? An hour? That long? Hurry, please. I don't know what's going on. Mom's message was so vague and creepy. She was all... I hope it's all been worth it, and if she sees my baby's first birthday, it will be a miracle. I'm calling you in an hour, I love you. I am still lying in bed. I point my toes and stiffen my body until my calf muscles almost seize into a cramp. I stare at the cracks in the garage door and the sunlight laser beams. My eyes ache, and when I close them, I can still see the bright iridescent streaks of light. I could stay here and pull the covers over my body and not answer Luke's next call. I could drive west to the beach instead of east to Mom's house and sit on the sand and watch the waves while whatever happens at Mom's house happens without me. I roll out of bed and put on a white shirt with no stains or messages written in permanent marker, a pair of blue jeans and leather sandals. This is a test wardrobe suggested by Julianne and acquired at my favorite thrift store yesterday. I take everything off and stand in my underwear, then put the jeans back on. I dig yesterday's black shirt out of the laundry pile. Both shirts are soft. One smells like someone else's laundry detergent and one smells like me. The white t-shirt will attract too much attention. The black one smells. I put the white one back on and throw a sweatshirt on over it. I slip on the sandals and leave out the side door. I'll catch Julianne up on everything after I know more about what's going on. It only takes me a half hour to get to Mom's, but I told Luke an hour because I didn't know what I would find when I got there. Aunt Penny is not a dramatic person, but she is also not strong, so if she was crying it could be anything from a broken arm to something lethal house smells like mothballs or something old I announce my presence with a loud hello I go into the kitchen and see Aunt Penny filling the hot water jug at the sink when she sees me she puts it down and rushes over to give me a hug oh my god you're here thank you where's mom what's going on she's in bed they gave her some sedatives who did the doctor the psychiatrist what psychiatrist I walk toward Mom's room. Probably not a good idea to disturb her. I look through the crack in her door. Mom is lying slack-jawed. Her face looks like a skeleton. She didn't tell me she was sick. No, 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 she didn't. Why does she need a psychiatrist? Why does she look like that? She doesn't eat. It's been going on for a long time, and now the doctor, the psychiatrist, yeah. He says her body can't do it anymore the ivy is feeding her something i don't know what's in it they left an hour or so ago i'm so glad you came by honey i'm so sorry aunt penny hugs me from behind and i can feel her crying into my back i can't stop looking at the person in the bed that's not my mom my mom has thick dark hair and red cheeks i go into the room no she needs to sleep I ignore Aunt Penny and look at Mom up close. I don't think Luke should come. He's only a little boy. He shouldn't see Mom like this. Aunt Penny is holding my hand and pulling me out of the room. I let her lead me to the kitchen table and I sit down. I bought this at the organic shop this morning. Aunt Penny is holding up a box with Calm printed on the front. Do you want one? I nod. I feel like I'm floating. But my body is buzzing and I have an ache in my belly and my fingernails are digging into my palms. I know it's shocking. She looks bad. I haven't been by for a couple of days and I hadn't heard from her. She usually texts. I came by and I found her. Her voice breaks. Her eyes are closed so tight the skin around them is turning white, but the tears are still escaping and dripping onto the kitchen table. I move my hand away. But her teardrop splashed me. I wiped the wet part of my hand on my cheek. She was in the bathroom, in the shower, freezing. So cold. I screamed, wake up, wake up. She didn't. Then I called the ambulance. She was in the hospital. She told me not to call you because she was talking then. Her organs and all the important stuff are functioning the best they can under the circumstances. Why didn't you call me? I'm sorry. My phone rings. That's Luke. What should I tell him? Tell him your mom is better. She's getting the help she needs. He's coming home. He bought his tickets. That's good. I think he thinks she's dying. I hope not, but I think she wanted to, yes. Hi, yeah, I'm here. She's okay. Yeah. She's sleeping now. Well... Maybe Aunt Penny should tell you. She knows more than I do. I hand her the phone and go back to Mom's room. I look at her from the doorway. I know why she didn't want me to know. She is trying to hurt me. She wants me to be surprised or feel guilty. Of course I feel guilty. It's my fault she's hurting. But it's not my fault Owen died. It's not my fault she hasn't taken care of herself. I can't be held responsible for her life. She is in her 60s. I stayed alive during my crazy years. I can't be expected to make sure she stays alive. Shut up, I hiss out loud to myself. Aunt Penny's hand is on my shoulder. Your brother will be here
0: next week. Sorry I missed your call. Now I don't get to say, hey, how was your day? This weekend, you Everything feels so upside down.